Getting down and getting to work is very important, especially when you know what your idea is and you're trying to execute on something. But if you are like struggling to come up with that idea, putting your head down is just going to isolate you from all the stuff that's important about good stories out anyway, which is the people and the experiences that are out in the world. So be an interesting person, have interesting experience, and that makes the storytelling aspect of this profession so much easier. Hello, and welcome to the Merit Makers Podcast. My name is Chris Skamra. I'm your host. If you're listening with us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, welcome to the show. Please feel free to check out the YouTube channel for a video version of our show. Today with us, we have Nick Mamone. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, man. I've been waiting for this episode for a long time. So, uh, here's how we do things on the show. Basically, I want to get to know a little bit about your background in terms of your freelance work and what you're currently doing in the industry. Um, but first, let's hear some of your social handles just so people can look you up at the beginning here. And we'll also do this at the end. But um, where can people contact you right now? Yeah, sure thing. So it's at N.A. Mamoni, which is uh, just my first two initials and last name on Instagram, Twitter and that sort of stuff. And then just my name, Nick Mamoni, on uh, YouTube, Vimeo. Uh, more like the video platform. So yeah, that's about it really. Sweet. I know uh, Mamone is a little bit of an odd name. Would you mind spelling it for us just so people on audio could figure yeah, out what that is? Sure thing. So it's M-A-M-M-O-N-E. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, something I'm trying to figure out a little bit more. We are putting um, tags and handles and stuff on the screen as well if you're watching the video side of things. So just as a note out there for anyone, if you for some reason can't figure out how to spell what you just said, (laughs) uh, feel free to check out the YouTube video and it'll be displayed there as well. So um, going into this episode, I've got a ton of stuff I want to talk to you about. But first, I want to get some of this career stuff out there just to since since we're still like pre episode 10, I want to keep explaining things to the audience just in case we have new listeners out there who have no idea what this show is about. So please forgive me if I repeat things that you've already heard a bunch on previous episodes. Um, Essentially what we're all about here at Merit Makers is we're trying to uplift and give the freelance community around the Columbus, Ohio area and the Midwest as well a platform to be able to share their mindset, their work ethic, their talents, uh, portfolio. We're trying to invite people on who basically just need to get in front of the right person because that's a problem that I've had in the past where I know I've got the skill set, the talent, I can execute projects really well. I just need to have the right project in front of me or know the right person. So um, if you wouldn't mind basically uh, kicking this off, telling us sort of where are you currently on your journey in the filmmaking world and uh, kind of where do you want to go? Where's your current skill set at and what areas of the industry are you looking to grow in? Yeah, sure thing. So in a professional sense, currently I'm actually an editor at Tube Science. They're a marketing agency out of Los Angeles. They do social media videos. And previously I used to be the in-house videographer for a startup company called Seamless AI out of Worthington, Ohio. Anyone who doesn't know where that is, that's just outside of Columbus. It's one of the suburbs. And uh, if I was to give myself a title right now in the professional world, I'd say editor is pretty much uh, what I would be hired as, but I've done quite a bit of uh, directing and producing. I've done what they call the predator role, which is producer, director, editor on my own short films and projects of that nature. So that is about my stretch in the professional world right now. 
Yeah, no worries, man. It's cool that you only have a couple areas that you're working in right now. We get, uh, we've gotten quite a few people in here that are doing a little bit of everything, myself included. Oh yeah, I've um, been there too, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to see that you're. I, I take it you're more in the corporate world then, and for for editing. And I'm I'm kind of asking that question. I already know the answer because I'm your friend, but. Uh, <laughs> Get, putting it out there for the benefit of the audience and anyone who might be listening who may yeah. want to hire you. Are you currently, do you have a, since, since you're working with Tube Science, I want to get into that a little bit later, but do you have a, a like a non-compete in place currently? If someone wanted to hire you for editing, would you be able to do that technically? So yeah, I'd be able to work uh, other editing jobs. The only uh, thing is if I was to do something that was of the nature that Tube Science does. And uh, as you said, we can kind of talk about what work that I do there specifically, but that means like if I was to make bulk social media videos to try and, uh, you know, improve somebody's social media um, uh, footprint, then that's something that I wouldn't really be able to do. Mm. But if I was to take on other gigs, that's not exactly what I'm looking to do anyways. Uh, I'm kind of looking to do more of the shooting and directing side of it or like pr producing and directing side of it than, uh, you know, the bulk editing, which is kind of what I do uh, on the daily. Okay, so let's get into that a little bit then. Um, and this gets into our personal history, kind of how you and I met, and I want to save that as well for probably much later when we get into backstory. But um, for context's sake, you and I have done a few different narrative projects together and probably have more coming down the pipe eventually. Nice plan. Um, in those, in those endeavors, I've kind of taken on more of the DP slash operator role, technician, uh, grip gaff, whereas you've been more of the director and writer. Are you looking in the future to take on more directing roles, and do you have a a future um and do you do you want to pursue writing as as a career later or is it more just you write so that you can direct if you know what i mean yes i know exactly what you're talking about uh i'm my goal very much is to be a director. Like, you know, that's the dream is to direct feature motion picture and to have a theatrical release. Uh, I write mainly because it's a necessity. I feel like written by, produced, and directed is the gateway to getting into the film industry these days, you know, to show that you have the tenacity and the ability to do what it takes to make a story that people want to watch. Um, but directing is where I'd like to end up. Writing, I do kind of as a necessary, but I'm actually trying to reach out to people who have that creative mind and have that uh, ability to write down on the paper and just, you know, let it let the words flow like a river. Hmm. So this gets into a, a question that I um, ask a lot of our guests, which is kind of, what's your thoughts on uh, on your workflow, uh, and it's phrased differently every time, but I think a unique way to ask you this question this time around would be, um, are you more of a, how should I say this, a, a crew organizer, or mm -hmm. are you someone who gets invited onto crews? What I'm trying to say is, right. are you more of a person who finds the people like you just mentioned right. and brings everybody together and then manages that crew and set? Right. Or do you prefer to just help other people create their own visions? I'm definitely on the side of putting together the crew that I need for the job that it needs to be done. Um, I've worked on other crews before, and sometimes it's a mixed bag. You don't necessarily know um, like who you're going to be dealing with. Sometimes it's a bit hard to uh, you know, understand where everybody's at uh, professionally. But if I'm the one who's kind of managing the set, then I know how to manage expectations and how to kind of level set everybody that's working on the crew with me so that everybody can have a good time. We all work efficiently, and we all understand like you know 
what the end product is that we're reaching towards. I love that. Having a clear vision and being able to create an environment that is um, both enjoyable and professional is something that I also really, really want to be uh, a component of, if not spearhead, mm -hmm. so that um, we can start having more of that in our in our uh, community and in our field mm -hmm. instead of kind of what Ohio and the Midwest are. I'm not going to say we're known for it, but you get a lot, mm, a lot less of a professional vibe out in the Midwest than you do if you're out in LA and, or Georgia. But that's only because as well, there's less pressure out here. Yeah. In LA, you need to be professional in order to survive. Well, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a law of numbers, isn't it? Like yeah. when you're dealing with... So saturated. Yeah, when you're dealing with everybody wanting to do exactly the same thing, you have to be, uh, you know, on top of everything to be there. But I also don't think that that is too different out here. I mean, the more you have that mindset out here, the quicker that you'll get caught onto as the man with a plan, right? You have a point. That's something that I personally am trying to pursue at the moment and what I am trying to... Um, help create is that environment of uh, professionalism, especially in the younger world in the I'm, I'm attempting at the moment to form crews and bring together a community of the the next generation, I suppose, because right now we're a bit scattered. Mm -hmm. There isn't a ton of us that work together um, as we might have in the olden days before all of the one-man band stuff and <laughs> social media and everyone being able to do this on their own. Right. There was a lot more dependability and a lot more collaboration and necessity for that due to the lack of information and the lack of skill back right. like when our when our grandfather our grandmothers and grandfathers were children or yeah, our age. more so than that. It's just lack of communication. I mean, you didn't know who existed uh, three blocks away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you didn't know what kind of potential there was to tap into it. And to find it, you had to be in the hotbed of where it was happening. That's why Los Angeles became what it was, because everybody was moving out that way, and that's where things were happening. So the Midwest uh, was never known for a reputation of having a lot of popularity because there's just a lot more space out here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as, as I said, communication just was not as good then as it was now mm -hmm. or as it is now. Not yet, not yet. And uh, I say that not uh, with full confidence because you never know what will happen. Mm. But I think we have a growing community here, and I definitely want to be someone who helps uh, grow that instead of... Uh, leave to find another market if it's not necessary and there's an important asterisk there because <laughs> if you need to leave and you have better opportunity elsewhere by all means go chase that right you do you but uh if i can help contribute to a community while i'm in town i want to be able to do it yeah and so that's also why i've made this show is to be able to help um bring on people who also want the same and so by bringing on people like yourself and our other guests i am trying to um, put it out there into the world that, hey, people like us exist. Mm -hmm. uh, reach out to anyone who's been on the show. They'll be yeah. more than happy to talk with you, which is why we give out the social handles um, before and after. Sorry, you had something to say. No, no, absolutely. I was just going to say it's pretty amazing, isn't it, that it doesn't matter where you are. The content that somebody can create or the stories that are uh, being able to be told these days, it really doesn't matter where you are, you know. Kid with a uh, kid with a journal can write some of the best stories out there. They don't need to have the heritage anymore. And as long as you know somebody who has a camera and who has the skill, you can make that you can make that thing. Yeah, yeah. It's this is something that I've been discussing with a few different people. Um, 
I, I do a lot of networking and I'm on a lot of Zoom calls and I take a lot of in-person meetings as well. But in one of the more group-centric uh, calls that I'm on, we had a discussion about this a few weeks ago where um, there was this one person that came on who was either uh, a head DP or camera op or even a producer, not all three, but one of those titles, I forget what it was, <laughs> right. on a show that was on either Amazon Prime or Netflix, one of the big streaming services. It was shot on an iPhone, and they've spent three years on the project, did a ton of VFX on it, and the conversation revolved around, well, it wasn't made with quote-unquote con um, traditionally conventional. conventional or professional gear, thank you, mm -hmm. uh, but the story was still good. And is that what people care about? Is that what people truly are attracted to? Or is there still a experience that is missing if you create with tools that are less immersive? Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is people are now so used to social media, content created via cell phone. Mm -hmm. um, we have become so used to it right. that being presented with a movie shot on a phone I would imagine because of the social media numbness, I suppose, I'm, I'm looking for a better word, my brain's on scan, but no, being right. having that mindset already, I would think people are more apt to digesting that content rather than having it being shot and created with quote-unquote conventional professional gear. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts there? Well, you know, I've seen movies done on all sorts of cameras. We see them on, you know, like what we're shooting on now, um, you see them done on the iPhones, and one of the there's a film that came out recently uh, to promote the new iPhone, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, did La La Land and First Man, mm -hmm. uh, lots of Oscars to his name at this point. But uh, yeah, he shot a movie called The Stunt Man. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this uh, as an original I iPhone movie, and it was entirely uh, vertical. That was uh, that was his thing. Was he did a nine by sixteen aspect ratio, and you know, it looked cinematic as anything else, and it is amazing to see what he was able to do with it, but it was entirely an exercise in showing that production design, hiring the right actors, and having a very good core story was more important than the tools. And yeah, I understand what you're saying about uh, people potentially gravitating more towards um, social media videos because it's what they're more akin to, but I think good story has the ability to penetrate through all of that. You know, people will find uh, the gems and wherever they're, they're found. People go to watch them at uh, the local movie theaters because that's what they're accustomed to. People will spend days upon days just searching through Amazon or Vimeo or YouTube to find uh, these, these stories. And I think if you can really find a good one, that is that's what's going to speak to people more so than what it was shot on or how you're going to try and market it to people. That's exactly the point, is that do audiences care more about the story and how what is being presented makes them feel rather than how what is being presented looks? Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. And 100%. I, I would think, logically speaking, that they, they care more about the story than how it looks. But mm -hmm. people that do what we do, ironically, don't yeah. see that. And that's something that I am considering now as I am moving into the field. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've already been here for a long time, but what, yeah. I'm, what I'm meaning is I'm, I'm, I guess I'm coming of age or staying in here for a long period of time allows you to observe a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And being able to observe the craft, mm -hmm. no matter what it's sh shot on or what it's made with, right. um, 
it, it allows you to observe what the impact of different levels of production have. Yeah. And so the whole question oriented around essentially, uh, and I think I've already answered this for myself. Right. Nowadays, people are caring more about the story and the content that's presented than Mm-hmm. what it's shot on. So I kind of want to get off of this topic now because we've been going in circles for a bit. <laughs> Unless, uh, do you have any other thoughts to add on that? Before oh, I was on? just, I was just going to say one thing about uh, how you said people uh, in our industry, you know, they tend to look towards production level and all of that stuff. But uh, I've also found that a lot of people in our industry are snobs. And, oh, true. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah, def- a lot of people are snobs and it's like, uh, yeah, like what was the shot on? Oh, I'll only watch movies that are shot on Alexas. I won't watch Reds because they look too digital. But it's like that's yeah, that's yeah. all besides the point. I know so I've many seen, DPs that are Yeah, famous. exactly. But I've seen plenty of movies like on YouTube that are shot on 5Ds or shot on, you know, ancient cameras. And it doesn't matter just because you're hooked from the beginning about what they're trying to get their point across. The most viral videos on the Internet, you don't ask what kind of camera they were made or, you know, even back in the day. Like it's not like you asked what kind of film camera was that shot on. It. it yeah, I guess that is kind of my point is back in the day, like the question of what camera was this shot on was never even a question because it wasn't something that people were pursuing. So it was all about story back in the day. And I feel like that's what people still gravitate towards. Yeah, people in our industry obviously look at a bunch of other things, but not everybody who's in our industry are the only ones watching this content. There are 30, you know, if you look at a video that has 30 million views, how many of them are really video professionals? Come on, talking the smallest percentile. So I I think the people who really get the idea of good stories and, you know, really find something that's viral have tapped into something besides just equipment and production. They really have something, you know, that's intrinsically meaning to somebody. And that's a great point. Having that... uh that that lack of knowledge for what is being shot on, like you said, back in the day, it was all about story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nowadays, since a lot of our tech and a lot of our equipment is catching up with affordability versus output, mm-hmm. you have a much more competitive market now, and people um, are are now being drawn more towards the story and how it's crafted right. versus what it was crafted with. Yep. And since that is the case, I think that's a very good thing for us because now it doesn't necessarily matter if you are shooting with a $2,000 camera or $200,000 camera. Right. As mm-hmm. long as you make a good story, that's what counts. Yeah. And um, to one last point on this as well, you mentioned internet videos. A very, very, very good point is to talk about like really crappy animations that are out there. (laughs) Some of your most nostalgic uh, memories, if you were a kid growing up in the 2000s, like we were, and uh, if you go on YouTube and find some old YouTube videos or animations, those are movies technically though that's digital content that mm-hmm. is that was digested back then and is now mm-hmm. and a lot of really great short films or animations that told stories are out there and you go revisit them it's one of the best things in the world um having the ability to go back and visit those memories is something really special and i think that speaks a lot to what we do as artists as filmmakers as mm-hmm. video professionals is we are capturing memory and we are taking if you're into live events, you're capturing an event and, and stamping it into history. Mm-hmm. If you are a wedding videographer, you are capturing someone's best day of their life mm-hmm. so that they can see it over and over again 
for good or ill. Uh, <laughs> later, it's right. it's you know rinse and repeat, copy and paste that same statement for whatever uh, profession you are in our industry. So yeah. I think that's cool. And unless you have something else to add on to that, I think we'll we're okay. moving on. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of a, a round and round about there. But I think it's it's a pretty interesting topic. Um, in terms of your, I, I, I kind of want to take it back to sure. the um, profession side of things. Mm-hmm. In terms of your editing skills right now, mm-hmm. what are you currently working on with, uh, I think you said you're now working with Tube Science. Yeah. Would you be able to uh, maybe give people some detail on what your current experience level is and where you're trying to go with your editing skills at the moment? Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, editing level, I mean, if you want to put it like advanced, intermediate, whatever. Um, I've been using uh, Premiere and I've been using Creative Suite now for past five years or so, maybe a little bit more. And uh, I've held two professional jobs where I have to use the Creative Suite pretty much every single day. So I'd say I know the software inside and out um, if we're talking in a professional sense. But uh, what I'm really trying to do now is I'm trying to expand beyond you know, you knowing 10% of the tools for 90% of the time and really try to stretch my abilities uh, with what I know how to do. So, you know, looking for that project that requires something that, you know, I have to learn or something that I haven't tried before. So those are the experiences that I'm looking to find. Yeah, looking for challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be for you, say, a really, uh, in, a really intensive, like, uh, a music video or a narrative project, or are you more like looking to take on super in-depth, detailed corporate projects where it's like a training video for the most complicated mechanism right. ever that employees have to learn? Or? Right. Uh, for me, it's narrative. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't uh, sit down on the couch and watch a corporate video. They are very important, and I've made plenty of them, so I understand uh, their need. But I've always enjoyed trying to entertain people, you know, and I've liked. Uh, being a storyteller, so trying to use the medium that I know how to manipulate to do that is where I'd like to go. So, yeah, narrative projects is what I'm looking to do in the future. Okay. Whether that's documentary or, or um, you know, fictional narrative remains to be seen, but that's the direction I'm headed. All right. So if you were to um, take on, if you, if you were to put it out into the world that you wanted to do narrative projects, uh, would would you want people to then approach you, I guess, is, is it's kind of a, I shouldn't even be asking you this question because obviously the answer is yes. And <laughs> right. I, I would be very surprised if you had said, yes, I love corporate video and right. I want to <laughs> stare at employee manuals and transcripts till the day I die. It's like, some people love doing that. I mean, I have yet to run into one of those individuals, but I would love <laughs> to interview one if you had know of anyone who does fit that category because my eyes open. they are definitely one in a million. Um, and they're handy to know if you do have a lot of corporate that mm-hmm. needs edited. Oh, yeah. Um, it's hard to find people who are willing to sit down and just do those projects. Mm-hmm as you know, because you are one uh, to an extent, uh, (laughs) salary-wise. And so um, moving on then, in terms of your uh, editing work, what um, sort of projects do you have that you would like to share with um, both our audience and with the world, I suppose? Mm. Um, I know I, I, I make it a point to try and give people the opportunity to share a reel or a few different projects sure. on the show. For those of you who are listening, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, 
feel free to tune into the YouTube channel and um, check out some of Nick's footage that he has either created himself or has edited, whatever you're willing to share with us. So um, do you have a reel that you'd like to um, yeah, show I, today? I actually just uh, finished up a new demo reel for this year uh, as an editor, director uh, kind of reel. And then, um, as you saw, you uh, did uh, behind-the-scenes photos on uh, my most recent project uh, that I did for a, a video contest back in September of last year. So those are the two most recent projects I'd probably be willing to show off. Okay, cool. Well, then I guess um, let's maybe do one at a time. How about we, we cover the, the reel first, and then we'll go, into, uh, we'll go into The Cyclist, which is the name of that project. So, yes, it is. Uh, without further ado, we will be right back, and uh, we're going to check out that reel. So roll film. And we're back. So that was a really good track for the music. Mm. I really loved the song. The pacing was great. Thank you. I can tell you edit for a living. <laughs> uh, and I also saw a couple of familiar faces in there for sure. There's oh, yeah. been, uh, I, I noticed you put a couple projects of ours in there, and I think mm -hmm. even I'm in there at some point. Yeah, actually, you were. You were in there because I... Yeah, we did a uh, shoot in Columbus. Uh, Chris just called me and said, hey, you want to get some shots in Columbus just downtown? Um, I was like, of course, anytime I get the chance to shoot. Um, yeah, yeah, that was when we were testing out the FS5 too. That was, yeah. yep. Okay, so. Full sale camera. I forgot about that one. Um, so let's go over a few of the different projects just to give people context for what they just saw again. Sure. If you're listening on audio, please feel free to come and check out the video version uh, so that you can see the reel and know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> in regards to um, the reel in general, are there any particular projects that you want to point out or bring up uh, in particular? Yeah, so uh, probably this most recent one I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, The Cyclist. That was the ones that had like uh, a screen in the dark and, you know, the... Bicyclist riding across the uh, Columbus Bridge there. Uh, that was the most recent project that I was talking about a little bit early in the podcast. Uh, that was one that I shot for a video uh, contest called the My Road Reel in, back in September of last year. And that was kind of an exercise in what you've actually are trying to accomplish with this um, with with this podcast, and I said it in our behind-the-scenes video, which was required for the... Um, submission? Yeah, for the submission, thank you, was I was trying to just reach out to people who were in the area that just really wanted to work on something. And this is right after the lockdowns had been lifted, too, so I knew that people were just antsy to get started working on stuff. I was antsy to get started working on stuff, and I just wanted to see if there was going to be anybody uh, who would be willing to work on this. So I came up with this idea... And you were asking if I'm a writer or not, but I knew that I wanted to take place in this contest. It's something that I had been putting off for years. Like I had, like for two or three years, I'd been saying I wanted to enter it, but this was the year to do it, especially since I didn't have anything else. Uh, like I didn't really have any other excuses not to make it this time. So uh, I came up with an idea. I had a seedling of an idea at one o'clock in the morning as I was trying to go to bed. And then it's one of those things when you're on fire, you cannot go to sleep. So nope. I just went straight downstairs. This is during a weekday, by the way. So I went straight downstairs, wrote all through the night, started storyboarding it most of the night, and got pretty much 80% of the paperwork and pre-planning done in about a five-hour span for a three-minute short. 
So that was, uh, yeah, and, and then uh, the sun rises at like 7 a.m., and it's like, oh, <laughs> I, could, I could go to sleep, but I have to, I have to work in an hour, so there's no point, and I just kept going until it was time to work. <laughs> I feel that, unfortunately, on a, on a deep level. I resonate. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, mean, I you really can't, do. Yeah, you can't buck that one when, it's, uh, when, when that bug hits you. So that was a fun process in the uh, pre-work. And I pretty much already had, like, the actor and all the locations in mind. I kind of wrote a story around where I knew I could shoot because it was mostly outside. Mm. And um, so I had actor, locations, director pretty much all sorted out. So that left the, uh, the, the problem of having a cinematographer and crew, right? Well, I had gone to college with a guy uh, called Cameron Hansen And uh, he, I had uh, seen that you and him had actually worked on a project uh, prior to and I was looking through Facebook, seeing your pictures, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did go to college with that guy. So I cold called him, said, I, I've got an idea for a project. What do you think? And he really liked the idea. So he was, he was on board, and that was just the, uh, it was just the task of getting the skeleton crew to try and uh, get the few things that we needed, you know, somebody to take BTS photos, which was a requirement for the contest, and someone to run sound, which is also another requirement for the contest, obviously being run by road. You need to use road mics, right? Mm-hmm. So put a call out onto, like, MOFA uh, and all of the filmmaking Facebook groups that we have, just uh, seeing what kind of interest there was. And I got a couple responses back, and the people who responded, I had come onto the show, or to the show, onto the shoot, excuse me. It's technically a show. You, uh, you get that. P- I, it kind of is, yeah. I Produ- mean, productions are known as shows. You're not wrong. Yeah, I guess it's not far off. I mean, you do have to be the ringmaster yeah, of like the It's like theater. Theater, oh, exactly. Indeed. The theater, the theater, yes. So we did that. It was a two-day shoot. Uh, we ran all across, like, Columbus and Lancaster. Uh, we had um, done all sorts of, actually, uh, when I say all sorts of, the best part about that shoot was that Cameron and I went and scouted every single location with his camera beforehand. And that paid so much dividends in the end product because mm. I've done projects in the past where I've done no scouting. With me. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with you and some other people, like in high school especially, but yeah, I've uh, done no scouting yep. uh, without the camera that we were going to be shooting, and it just does not go smoothly. I'm not going to say it was entirely a shit show, but it just doesn't go smoothly because, you know, you can storyboard something, but you don't know exactly how it's going to look through a lens until you actually get there on the day. So it's always a compromise, but... If that that be a big tip that I have is if you have the chance to get the camera and the lenses or as close of like lenses and focal lengths as you can, do it ahead of time. You will save yourself so much headache in the actual production part of it. But uh, yeah, and because we did that, we were able to shoot ahead of schedule. We had planned for three days, and I got that shoot down to about two days. Uh, we did need to do a pickup shot later, but that was uh, a minor detail, and. Yeah, we got that thing done well within the uh, deadline, and I'm really proud of the end product to uh, this day. I'm happy that you're happy with it. That's something that I always enjoy is seeing people. I'm not going to claim that I've known you since you didn't know how to do any of this. Right. But seeing a little bit of growth, and this will get into our backstory a bit later because you and I have crossed paths multiple times before the Cyclist Project on there. I unfortunately was not able to help with the main production day, but I was able to come on day two and shoot some photos. Yeah, because Chris um, was just being a badass and hopping from set to set to set at the time. <laughs> Shucks, you're making me blush. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, With all that I contribute, 
I want to make sure that what I am spending my time on is with good people. Mm-hmm. And so I really respect that you brought on Cameron, even though he was someone that you uh, that, that you did go to college with, which was a surprise to me, actually. I had no idea yeah. um, un- until just a, a minute ago. Right. But you're bringing on people who want to be there, and yeah. I think that's key. Um, another big thing you touched on, too, was the emphasis on planning. Mm-hmm. That's something that I very much... Um, keep talking about on this show and Mm -hmm. it's probably annoying a lot of people at this point but i'm going to continue (laughs) talking about it because it's Uh, important right being able to pre pre pre-plan and get the um get get your action steps down before you get onto set Mm -hmm. being able to pre-visualize making sure everyone's on the same page having Mm -hmm. a schedule making sure that everyone knows how to use the gear before you have to use it definitely is very 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 important and uh, if you do not do any of that, you may survive <laughs> barely. Yeah. You, you may you may be able to come away with uh, a somewhat take, decent product. It'll just take a lot more effort to get what you want out of it. And That's more. All it's, it's always more than you expect. Yeah. And that is if you don't solve your problems beforehand. Right. And that's what I love about what we do is we're creative, professional Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> we are creative, professional problem solvers. Right. And that is one of the best jobs in the world, um, in my opinion. And um, speaking of jobs, uh, I know you've done a little bit of uh, work with some corporate entities as well on your reel, and I know we're still on this topic. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you wanted to talk about a few of those pieces, and then maybe then maybe we can hop into some of the mar- the narrative work and, and uh, go from there. Yeah, sure. So if we're talking about corporate, uh, probably the most interesting thing on there was uh, that podcast episode with the Wolf of Wall Street. That was uh, That's kind of an interesting avenue of how that happened. Um, so the first job that I got professionally, I got a month out of high school with a, a startup company called Seamless AI. And uh, they're a SaaS software company out of uh, near Columbus, like I was mentioning. And I happened to find their um, their job link on, um, what was it, Indeed at the time. You know, I was uh, living at home with my parents. They had just moved out of a big house. And it was me, my sister, and them in a two-bedroom apartment that uh, I did not get a bedroom in, which oh means dear. that I was uh, sleeping on the couch uh, for a couple months from about... Mm, February to the summer of that year. And uh, yeah, so I was told to either, you know, I, well, not either. I was told to get off the couch, basically. <laughs> so um, I had two options at that point. One, which was my original idea, was to go down to Atlanta with no connections down there and just see if I could make it, just because I knew that's where production was happening. So I figured I'd be able to hop onto something at the time, but didn't have any solid connections. Or I could find something locally and just, uh, you know, get an apartment down nearby. And uh, erring on the side of caution uh, and the idea that I was actually not old enough at the time really to uh, experience all of life as as it was, legally speaking, just because I wasn't of age to do it, I decided sticking near to home and near where support was was uh, the best move at the time. Smart. Yeah. so, uh, So we went on a vacation for about three weeks and then... As soon as I got home, I started job hunting. A week later, I got an email back from this company, Seamless AI, that I had applied for. And uh, they said they wanted to bring me on. 
And uh, I almost didn't land the job actually because the starting date that I gave them, I realized conflicted right with a surgery that I was having. Like I was getting my wisdom teeth out. Uh-oh. And uh, the CEO was not really a, um, a fan of that, kind of my wishy-washy. Um, so fortunately, uh, my old boss at the time, Mason, he uh, came to bat for me and he saw my portfolio and he said, this is the guy that we need. So a million thanks to Mason for uh, giving me the opportunity to do that. And then thanks to everybody at Seamless who gave me that opportunity because it was just fantastic after that. I mean, I joined this company when it had 30 employees and uh, they were. it was like entering at the ground floor. They were just about to jump onto this massive wave of success that they didn't even know was coming because of our COVID. Mm. But that all uh, led to, you know, these opportunities, like all of a sudden they're booking like Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a, you know, is the owner of the Jets. They're booking uh, an That's interview. Gary Vee, for those of you who only know him by that name. Yes, Gary Vee, exactly. Instagram, YouTube, he's everywhere. I'm sure you've heard of him. But oh, yeah. yeah, so Gary Vee, um, they've got Ryan Serhant, who's the billion-dollar real estate agent. they got uh, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, obviously. Um, and they, it was just a whirlwind of these crazy events that were going on that uh, someone right out of high school, I definitely would not have uh, envisioned that was what I was going to be doing. No. So. That was pretty cool to uh, to shoot that, and uh, that was what the like the beach shots and uh, that red bordered video were in the demo reel was some of the stuff that I did with those guys. That is crazy, and I know I've there's a little bit of a backstory between you and me with Seamless. Yeah, um, and I there's not much to tell here, but basically, um, when I saw you were transitioning, uh, or you 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 weren't transitioning at the time actually. I think you guys were. Trying to hire, trying to hire extra help. people, yeah. Yeah. I saw the job application on Indeed for an editor for Seamless. <laughs> and the moment I saw that, this is after you and I had become friends, I thought to myself, like, it, oh, my gosh, did Nick lose his job? Is he <laughs> all right? So I, I did. You get laid off. Exactly. So I send you a message saying, hey, bro, is everything okay? Are you all right? Are you dead? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no. Also, it, the, the message had no context. It was like, Nick, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Why do you ask? Out of curiosity. Then, yeah. And then like two minutes later, it clicked as to what we were doing. It's like, oh, they opened up the job application again. That's what he's probably calling about. Yeah. And the, that wasn't uh, a, hey, man, are you all right? And can I take your job? It was a genuine genuine like yeah, reaching right. out of all going good uh, are you okay yeah, yeah. so ah, it was all right uh, due to covid unfortunately um this is right as covid was about to hit Literally. when you guys opened that up so that's yeah. like march 20 2020 yeah i was um, gonna say you came to visit us like the week after we closed our office right uh, they closed the office yeah that was i funny. went through the application process unfortunately due to covid didn't work out yeah however not if I did, if, if I had landed that job, mm-hmm. it would have been a good salary, but I would not, honestly, I would not be here sitting with you in this space right now because I would be full-time working as an editor true. and content creator for that company and not doing freelance and not pursuing this. So it's crazy, man. If Trade I had taken that job, we probably would not be here right now. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's crazy to think about. And speaking of, um, you know, craziness, the fact that we even met before we met, <laughs> no other way <laughs> well, to say that re- really. Acquainted, if you will, yeah, yeah, is is also funny, and that's another story I want to get into. So, going back to maybe talk about another story that won you some awards, I'd love to hear a little bit about you. I think there's an an action short or narrative yeah. piece that you put in. I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, so there was one called uh, "The Lost and Broken," and there's actually kind of two films in that reel that kind of um, 
you know, stem off of that. So the car chase one called Focus In, that was how I got, uh, that was how I really kind of got my feet wet into like, you know, deciding that this is really what I wanted to do because um, I'd done some high school projects before. I did like a documentary with like a local rock band. It's like, okay, that was fun. That really got me into it. But, you know, documentary wasn't really what I wanted to do and it's probably not where I'd like to end up either. So I wanted to do something that like I see on screen that I hadn't really seen done before, which was I wanted to do a car chase. And uh, a car chase, you know, you'd think of it to be a very technically challenging um, piece, but if you are smart about it and uh, are very safe about it, then it's actually something pretty easy to do, as I came to find out. So I paired up with, at the time, somebody who I was interested, or somebody else at my high school who was interested in film called Caleb Long, and uh, he and I did uh, a couple of projects together, including the award-winning one, which we'll talk about in a second, um, but I, I'm giving this story to show, like... Uh, context? Yeah, a little bit of context uh, about how I came to be partners uh, with this guy. But uh, he, had, he he was interested in filmmaking. He wanted to be a DP as well. So I said, hey, I know you're good with a camera. I've got this idea. Why don't we try and make this thing happen? I said, I got a car chase. I've got a vague idea of how uh, it's going to go. You want to make it? He was like, hell yeah, let's go for it. I'm all in on it. So we came up with what was eventually called Focus In, and we shot... We shot this car chase in the wee hours of the night. We shot for about three days between the periods of 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. Mm. So like in the dead of the night, in the middle of our town that we lived in, Hilliard. And the reason that I did this, uh, and it was summer, by the way, the reason I did this is because I had been driving these roads before at that time, and there was nobody on them. I'm talking dead quiet in the middle of... Yeah. What's well, normally a busy, busy uh, metro area, yeah, empty yeah. Out at that time. There's yeah, no, no it's out. crazy. So mm. I was like, I, I would, I would be, uh, it would be criminal not to use that to my advantage. <laughs> I see what you did there. Good pun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so we did use it to our advantage, but we had the rule of we were not going to break the speed limit when we were doing this. We are solely going to use like camera tricks and uh, you know some some cleverness movie to, magic yeah movie magic if you will to uh, get our end effect and i'd say in the end we did uh, another one of the projects that i'm still quite proud of how it turned out but yeah so that's how caleb and i came to be was on that project and then we started going into high school we started up like a film club and we did uh, all sorts of projects together uh, including the one that got us acquainted which was called the lost and broken it was a fight scene that we wanted to do uh we had done a car chase, so we wanted to do something else high octane as well. We figured out ah, a fight scene is kind of the next logical step, right? That that's what everybody says, right? Car chase to fight scene, yeah. That's that's, that's my totally first how films. that works. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, totally so, normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the fight scene was uh, the next project that we worked on, and then we did that with uh, the film club. So we had actually gotten. I don't know, Caleb and I made a promo for all of the Hilliard schools to uh, join up together. And on our uh, first couple of meetings, we had about 30 people come to uh, nice. the meeting who were interested in like doing filmmaking or just seeing what we were about. And, uh, you know, o- over the weeks, it, it dropped down a little bit to like, you know, 20 to 15. But we still had a pretty sizable amount of uh, kids who were wanting to work on uh, uh, film projects. So that was pretty interesting to see, even just in high school. So we came up with a story. We came up with this fight scene. Um, and I am a little bit bummed about that one because I was slated to be a director, but I was um, f- 
working most of the time, like at a grocery store. So I was just slammed with schedule and I just couldn't be there on most of the shoots. But uh, I did end up uh, doing the edit on it afterwards. And my, uh, our club supervisor and my teacher, Mr. Torrance, he told us that he knew about uh, this awards ceremony that we should enter our film into called the Ohio Valley Chapter National Student Emmys. Or something like that. Uh, that would be NATUS, National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, Ohio that's Valley the one. Chapter. Nat, that's you heard it here, folks. That that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that that award ceremony. Um, oh, that Emmys. That Emmys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the name is convoluted, but you still get to say you have an Emmy. So that's where that's where the glory's at. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so we entered that. Uh, Granted, it's a student Emmy. However, and still, still, it's got the lady on it. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we entered that. We uh, didn't know what kind of opposition we'd be facing, but uh, just just to see what would happen. And we got selected. Uh, the The award ceremony was held down in Louisville uh, at a hotel, and uh, we went to go visit and represent. Uh, me, the lead actor, my DOP, and my sister uh, went to go uh, watch the award ceremony, and. Lo and behold, who else did we meet there but yourself? Mm-hmm. And uh, when when Chris was there, he he was not there to like just play around. This guy was raking them in. He had Me. several pro, uh, projects in the running, and uh, a lot of them ended up uh, making the making the cut and uh, getting him the wick, uh, victory. I was trying to say the, the victory. W. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say the W, but no, the victory. Yeah, ended up getting him the victory and. Uh, uh, that was when we first got introduced. Was when you hopped on stage and just accepted award after award after award. You make it sound like there was tens of them. It's nice. I I submitted two. I technically how many? How many was that? So there's. I should probably back up a little bit as well. When you and I first met, um. While I, while you had been introduced to me, I had not been introduced to you, if that makes sense. Right. I had no recollection of you at that ceremony. Right. Um, which we'll probably get into in a few minutes when we talk about other projects we did down right. the road. Um, I'm flattered that you remember me at the ceremony, and I wish I could have uh, had the same to say. Oh, it's, it's okay. I won one award and I stumbled through the award ceremony because at the last second I was voluntold to go give the award ceremony <laughs> of words uh, acceptance speech. <laughs> so I don't, you, I don't believe you for not remembering me. You're reliving your fumbling right now. <laughs> oh God, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, man, it's when you're up there and you, and you don't, it's your brain freezes. Mm-hmm. It really does. Unless you like just focus on one thing. That's yeah. a lot of people don't, realize when you're on stage if you try to take everyone else out of the room and act like you're the only one there yep that's one of the best ways that i personally am able to Mm. say what i want to say and not freeze up it's basically forget everyone else exists Mm. um and i had to do that a few times personally for my own projects um i created a documentary that i also submitted for Mm. that um event which was um, called The Tracer. It stars my younger brother. It has um, the theme of parkour, and it tells the story of how, as a, as a very young kid, he was very overweight, mm. had lots of insecurity and mm. um, academic problems due to his overweightness. Essentially, um, his, uh, his lack of social skills 
and his being overweight got him made fun of and that really messed up his head a little bit and mm -hmm. caused him to be less confident mm -hmm. um, what parkour allowed him to do was sort of grow out of that through physical exercise and right. honestly a little bit of therapy um, via the art of movement he was able to uh, overcome those challenges and that's what the story revolves around and just from that description, you'd think, like, that's probably got to be a pretty good piece. And Yeah, and I was going to say, you see why I won an Emmy now. The, the amount of pillars that we took home, I think, proves it. So I've, yeah. I've got three of them in my room right now. Um, and then there was a fourth one uh, as well on a different project, which was my action film. Right. I guess not – I'm not – I should rephrase that. It is not in any way my sole project, but right. I meant that as the action film that I was a part as of. As in he was attached level. to it. Correct. Yes. Not that I own it. A very good friend of mine, which I hope to have on the show someday, uh, mm -hmm. Gibson Davis, mm -hmm. wrote and directed that. I did the camera work for it, and we had two of my other really good buddies, uh, Cyrus and Avery, mm -hmm. on um, grip and sound, and we had a bunch of our friends act in it. It was literally just a one-room action action film uh, we filmed it in gibson's garage <laughs> and it somehow won an emmy i think for short form fiction or it might have been one of the other categories but regardless form. that was like full feature at that point <laughs> the 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 point i'm trying to make um with this whole thing is i did not realize that you and i were at that event until much later when we met at CIF. Right. And so Columbus Independent Filmmaking, for those who don't know. <laughs> thank you. I guess I, I had that coming, didn't I? Um, with that being said, let's transition a little bit into, and I'll continue on with the story, I guess. This is where I came to meet Nick. Um, moving into that stage of, this is still pre-COVID. This is like fall of... 2019 19. yeah so this is like the months heading up before the virus you and i run into each other at the columbus metropolitan um downtown i believe or was it dublin was it the dublin library it was the dublin library yep it was the dublin library yeah, yeah. there was a meeting um held by cif columbus independent filmmaking mm -hmm. they're an organization in town if anyone out there who's listening to the show is kind of on a hobbyist level or someone who's interested in taking on projects in the local community um, i would recommend reaching out to them if you're kind of on a very 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 intro level to uh, production if you just want to sort of get your feet wet a little bit with very low risk um, a great group to be a part of. They um, are currently trying to keep production alive and just do volunteer projects, and they've got a lot of films always going around. So yeah, they're working on a web series right now. Yeah, yeah, they're always they're always up to something. Point being, you and I met there um, almost a, by chance, I would think. I don't know yeah. your reasoning. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this particularly, but why you showed up. But for me personally. I was just looking to get on more projects, um, meet more people, Same and boat. so I just showed up. I had only been there for one week, uh, and then the second week that I went, uh, which was a planning meeting mm -hmm. for a film they had coming up, uh, that second week is when you showed up, yep. and I think we had, was it... I complimented your coat, or was it your bag? Something. <laughs> I, think, I think it was my leather jacket, because we both had leather jackets on. It's like, oh, leather jackets think alike, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> so something like that. that. And yeah. uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this guy seems pretty cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I remember specifically having to, like, nudge you a little bit for participating in the project, because it was kind of your first week. Um, 
and you were... Well, the first week I was just trying to kind of gauge the waters, and they were like, okay, we're about ready to shoot this thing. Uh, we need everything. So uh, is everybody <laughs> able to... Is yes. anybody able to lend anything? And uh, I was like, eh, okay. And then the next week I come back, and uh, they kind of had an idea, and they were like, we might use this guy's place. We might have this person be DP. And, I said, eh. and I, said, I said, you know... I just started a new job. I have a brand new apartment. I think it would be a good fit for you guys. Would you like to use it? And I said, would you like me to help you produce it? And they said, yes, that'd be great. Thank you for your help. <laughs> so that's how I got yes. onto uh, the, the project. Was, uh, <laughs> I had been with the group for less than two weeks, and all of a sudden I was producer and lending my apartment to this uh, to this story. So that was interesting. This random group of people. Yeah, and that why not? Was, and that ended up being the first project that you and I worked on together because I think yep. over the course of that, two weeks it turned into like i think probably about a month of time um not in between that second week in production it was more like a week yeah. or or a little bit tiny bit more in between when we were shooting short period of time yeah uh, we initially had someone lined up to dp that project mm -hmm. from my perspective i was also kind of hesitant and just trying to see test the waters yep. how can i fit in here how can i best help and yep. contribute don't want to step on anybody's toes exactly i already had it and so my thought was at the time, uh, well, let me talk to whoever they have slated up for DP here. And there was a volunteer guy. I don't even remember his name at this point. Yeah. Uh, long story short, if you were to uh, talk to him today, I have no idea where this guy would be in life. But um, he was supposed to DP. And uh, up until like the day before production, he had quit and come back once. And then on the day of, he quit again, and he didn't show up to set. Yeah. And so that left who else but me to take up the mantle yeah. and try and shoot this thing without any prep, without any planning, mm -hmm. aside from me just, for some strange reason, wanting to come over and check out the location before. Yeah, I was going to say, you had done a little bit of due diligence. You at least scouted and took some pictures, so that was nice. Right, I, and I remember that day when I first went over to your apartment because we were trying to check out the location. Yep. You didn't have to. You lived there. <laughs> I was trying to see, okay, what are we going to be working with? Because from my uh, my previous commitment was, okay, yeah, I'll just uh, help out, be an AC, and mm -hmm. see what I can do in the lighting department. And for that, I need to know what the space looks like. Mm -hmm. Our other DP didn't even... He didn't even think to to look. He was not professional in any way. And um, the good thing was that you and I ended up uh, bonding over that project mm -hmm. and have been friends ever since. And so yeah. um, that project, which is called Eye Opener, um, mm -hmm. produced with CIF and um, by TJ. I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Yeah, really great guy, though. Yeah. I think he did a, a good job with directing that, and that was... Not, well, not it was directing. his first project he, was, he had ever worked on, too, so he did a really good job for it. Yeah, that's that's what I should say is um, this was kind of his baby, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to make sure that he was able to produce that in the best way possible, and that's why I, yeah. I stepped in like I did. Normally it's like, look, I don't have any prep here. I don't know anything about the project, and so I can't really help, but I, I, I jumped in um, with you, yep. and then we, we made it happen. And honestly, the final product... I think turned out a lot better than uh, any of us really expected for what yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah, and you know that was kind of the cool thing about CAF was that it was a film club in essence. Everybody came in with varying levels of uh, professionalism and uh, understanding, but 
Most people there came in with an idea of something they'd like to make, which is pretty invaluable to have, especially, uh, you know, I was talking about wanting to work with people uh, who have ideas. And that was, you know, we came in and TJ had this idea already, ready to go. Just needed a little bit of work on uh, his script to get it uh, across the finish line. But, you know, he had it to a point where it was ready to shoot. And that was, that's pretty hard to find, honestly. Like, you can find a lot of people who know how to shoot things, but for a lot of people who have the thing that's actually going to be shot, have the script ready to go, that's a little bit fewer and far between. Yeah. Um, in regards to the project as a whole, I am, I'm not going to, I will say it. I am surprised it got as many views as it did. <laughs> um, not that I did not expect TJ to share it. It's just the thing about TJ is that he is uh, Indian, nationality-wise. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he went over and told all of his friends overseas about it. And we ended up, like, within the first month or so of release, we got over 1,000 views on that thing. Hey, word and of it's mouth like, is important. Yeah, I mean, I know that's that's not super crazy in regards to a lot of other people in our industry. But for a film club, that's, like... It's super small scale like that's good. that's a good achievement there and it's uh all because all of us came together gave it our best effort and yep. honestly everyone had fun that day i, I don't think yeah there was too much stress or i was gonna say uh, we shared across two days and i think they were pretty fun yeah yeah uh, it wasn't too much. And then, you know, that kind of parlays into the next project, which was very similar. We also had uh, the next project that Chris and I worked on called uh, The Crucible. Mm -hmm. And that was a very similar story. We, there was a guy that we uh, that came to the club called JD, or John. Uh, and he had an idea for a story. And he had a little bit less than TJ, actually, as far as script goes. He had a couple pages. So uh, they were looking for somebody to direct and produce the thing. And I had been a producer and editor on iOpener, but I had been really wanting to work on directing another project. So I said, I'll work with you on this. I want to make a, a project I've never done, like dialogue drama before, so I want to give it a shot. And they said, all right, you're going to take the mantle on this one. So that's where that one came to be. So my first step was to take the script, script doctorate, turn it into something that uh, the rest of us could understand and work off of. And fortunately with uh, JD... He wrote his story in a very similar way to when I write my stories is that he wrote it around a location he knew he could use. So we ended up having a bar that was a family friend's bar uh, that we shot in. We shot across two days, and, uh, you know, that was also a really fun experience. Uh, I'm sure that you have some more to add to that story. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple notes from my end. So it was a very similar situation where... Uh, at least on my end, I ended up DPing that as well. Right. And that was the plan from the get-go, though. Right. Yeah, that was, I should clarify, it was not a last-minute, um, hey, Chris had no prep. This time I did make sure to go check out the location as we did before, but yep. also do a little bit of storyboarding work yep. to the best of my ability. And since then, I mean, my confidence has only grown. Right. Um, that shoot in particular... While it's definitely not the best piece I've ever made, mm -hmm. um, I think I gained a lot of valuable experience from it because yeah. we shot in a live restaurant slash bar setting. Yeah. That was not a soundstage. Yeah. That project was shot in a bar that was open in yeah. some parts of the film. Yep. Um, some parts we did have everything to ourselves and it was locked off, which was great. Yeah. But it allowed me to experiment more with lighting and being able to use... Um, a very low level of cine glass on a full frame sensor. Yeah. Being able to shoot with, uh, we shot that on a 5D3 with Rokinon cine glass. Mm -hmm. um, 
and in terms of the production quality, before that point, I had mainly just been using a lot of kit lenses or cheap glass on Canon DSLRs. Mm -hmm. I had worked on some projects where I was not the camera operator or the director of photography, but I had lots of experience around the bigger stuff. Sure. So I knew what I was doing. I just hadn't executed before. Yeah, and exactly. I, I'm, I'm proud of how I was able to execute that project. Yep. There's plenty of shots that are not quite in focus <laughs> or even some that are out. But that's all I think par for the course when you're learning. And it's like, like we said, it's a film club. There's, it's low pressure. Um, however, you still want to make the best product possible. But I think we did get some, some pretty decent looks out of that, regardless yeah. of how uh, color or post turned out. Like yeah, exactly. Composition what, was good. And that was one of my main pursuits. Yeah. And what I was really happy about with that project is it was probably one of the biggest learning experiences that I've had, which was... That was the biggest crew that I've ever directed and, uh, you know, had to manage. We probably had, I don't know, 15 people working 15, on that 20, thing. Yeah. yeah, 15 people working in that bar, which is easily the most amount. And that's also the most amount of uh, actors that I've worked with as well. Mm. So that was a pretty fun process. You know, I'd never done like a table read before and I'd never uh, uh, really auditioned actors before. So that was all new to me and it was a good experience to have. So I'm very grateful to CIF to have that experience. I'm glad that we got to have that project so now I know how to handle it moving forward. Exactly. And moving forward, I think we'll only be able to um, improve and learn from those previous experiences, which is where I think the benefit of having a club like that um, comes into play. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean to keep sounding like I'm saying the same point over and over again, like I've, I've done a few times today, <laughs> but um, having the low pressure and having the ability to mess up and it be okay. There's no producer breathing down your neck or no client that's like you're wasting thousands of dollars on, right. on messing up. Right. That's huge. And that allows you to learn without being, uh, without experiencing a lot of ne negative repercussions. You might hurt some feelings because people want you to do it right if you're in those scenarios because you're, yep. you're working and gambling with people's time in those film club situations oh, yeah. because people are spending energy and effort. But um, overall, it's a great learning experience, which is where I think those environments um, tend to shine. Yeah. So taking all this and circling it back to the uh, the Emmy ceremony for a second, hmm. there's, a, um, there's a photo that's out there, I think, of us that was taken before you and I ever worked together or ever knew, yeah. before I knew you existed pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it was a big group photo. Yeah. Maybe you on one end and I was on the other end. Opposite <laughs> end. And it's crazy yeah. how this is kind of the next, where I kind of want to go with this conversation is you can be on opposite ends of the same room, never know you meet, and then cross later and find out, which is exactly what we did, mm -hmm. or what I did, I should say. You, right. uh, you remember me, but I don't remember you. Right. <laughs> didn't back when we first met. It's confusing. But uh, the, the power of networking and the power of being um, in the same environment is crazy. Um, I'm, I'm having trouble forming, forming this thought here. But what I'm trying to say is you never know who you're interacting with or where that person will go or where they're coming from mm -hmm. um, until later in life. And so that being said, who knows where you or I will be five, ten years from now. Yeah. That being said, be nice to people and yeah. uh, just don't shut down opportunities because... Uh, don't burn any bridges unless they need to be burned. Exactly. Because yeah. you never know where it may take you in the future. I think that's a good way to sum that one up. Exactly. Um Moving on then, 
in regards to your backstory, I want to make sure that we get to cover this. You and I have <laughs> you yeah, right. and I have a bit of we've covered a lot of ground there already in bits and pieces. Um, but we have similar experiences where we both went to high school institutions and went through like media programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know as much of your college experience in mm-hmm. the field. I don't think, if I remember correctly, you didn't necessarily go to film school. Right. Uh, but we have a little bit of similarity there. So when did this all, when did production, when did you get bit by the production bug, I suppose? Yeah, sure thing. How, how far back did this go for you? So... You know, I could go all the way back to when I first uh, got introduced into, um, you know, wanting to do video, but I'm going to sum it up a little bit. Um, back in high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, you know, I was going into freshman year, just taking all the general cl- classes and didn't really have uh, much direction. Knew I was interested in, like, movies and making videos, but uh, uh, I wasn't going to take it seriously or anything. Then sophomore year, my parents said, you should do something fun. You've done, you know, a bun- bunch of front-loading on classes freshman year. you got to have something fun sophomore year, otherwise you're never going to make it through high school. Mm. So I said, all right, sounds good. Prior to that, I had, like, won a guitar uh, out in Vegas. Uh, entirely different story for another time. But uh, I'd won a guitar in Vegas, started to learn how to play it. So I started to want to potentially make some music and, you know, play in a band. And fortunately, in the high school that I went to, they had a class at a magnet school uh, called the Innovative Learning Center, and the class itself was called Academy Vibe, where they taught you music and video production. Sick name, oh. right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's called Academy Vibe, and like the name itself, that's that's enough to join, right? But Academy Vibe, and um, in that, I went into it with the premonition of actually doing music production and um, you know being part of a band. But as I started to go forward and do some of the assignments in it, I started to remember about um, like the videos that I had made and started to edit and how I really enjoyed that process. So about sophomore year of high school, I'd say, is when I first started getting interested into it. I did like a final project, like I was talking about, a documentary with a local rock band. And then over the summer of that year is when we made uh, Focus In. And then going into junior year of uh, the next year was when we made uh, my capstone project called Alone. Uh, I did that with Caleb, a uh, film pro- partner I'd already talked about, mm-hmm. and just started to slowly escalate up and up and up uh, into bigger and uh, uh, more ambitious things. And that's kind of uh, led me to where I am today. You know, start with Academy Vibe, do a documentary, make an action scene, make an action scene that's Emmy-worthy, go into a uh, startup company, and then eventually make it to a production house where I'm at now. So. That's crazy to see, man. Like, yeah, so that's kind of the the thirty thousand foot look at uh, uh, the story as it's gone so far. Well, I think that's that's one of the fun things to learn about where everyone comes from, and then sort of connecting the dots and saying like, "Hey, we have similar experiences" or yeah. um, anything like that. I don't want to make it seem like we're ending the episode too early. Is there? But is there anything that? you wanted to talk about or cover that we haven't gone over yet. No, we've covered some ground. There's been a lot, yeah. We've covered some ground. Uh, No, I just, um, there was something that uh, Nathan was talking about the first episode that you did Mm -hmm. that... um, Shout out to Nate, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Nate, absolutely. His stuff is uh, amazing. But uh, there was just something that uh, he mentioned that I kind of uh, wanted to shed my opinion on a little bit. And he Mm -hmm. was talking about... uh, Discipline and getting your head down and just making stuff, right? Like that was the most important part was to make stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wanted to also put out an opposite uh, point of view, which is to say, don't always be head down. 
you know, life is for the living and there's lots of life to live outside of just what you do for a craft. And I think you become a better storyteller by living different aspects of life. So, you know, being an interesting person, I find, is much more um, valuable and important to me anymore than uh, just knowing everything there is to know about my craft. The more I know about the world, the better stories I can tell about it. So, mm. yes, getting down and getting to work is very important, especially when you know what your idea is and you're trying to execute on something. But if you are, like, struggling to come up with that idea, putting your head down is just going to isolate you from all the stuff that's important about good stories anyway, which is the people and the experiences that are out in the world. So I just wanted to say that, you know, that's my view on it. Be an interesting person, have interesting experience, and that makes the storytelling aspect of this profession so much easier. Yeah, that's like, I, I disagree with you and I don't disagree with you. <laughs> uh, to a point, because if you are not focusing on your craft, how are you supposed to get better? However, it is important to take breaks. And yep. if you are... If, like you said, if you're struggling to come up with that next big idea or if you're feeling burnt out, yeah. find a new outlet. Um, if you're a very creative person, yep. a lot of people take up stuff like cooking or reading or painting mm -hmm. or finding something that is unrelated to film but yet is still a creative outlet mm -hmm. I think does a lot of good for people. Oh, and yeah. that's that's where I, that's where I agree. Um, and I don't know if I would say I disagree but maybe a counterpoint to your counterpoint to Nate's <laughs> point is uh to say there are many 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 people like me um who fall into the category of I don't really have too many hobbies right it, the closest thing right now that I have to a hobby is gaming and right. that's something that Nate and I also talked about on that episode yeah. and we'll probably talk about again either with Nate or with more guests in the future yeah um it's a recreational activity. Mm -hmm. However, other than that and spending time with friends and family, I only work and do on-set stuff, and that's kind of my life, and that's what I like to do. Right. What do you think about the concept of, um, there's something my instructor at the Career Center always used to say, if you find a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. If that is the case for people, if mm -hmm. you have that profession and it's what you love and you don't consider it work, why would you need a break from it unless you're experiencing that burnout? Well, I'm talking about getting to that point where you have reached the, you know, you've reached the penultimate. Yeah, you're talking about the point where, yeah, I love what I do and I don't need a break from it because I'm motivated to do it. If that, you're in that situation, I'm not saying that you need a break from that. But if you are in such a case of the burnout or you are trying to find inspiration or you're trying to understand uh, what else there is to do in life besides just what you're doing. That's where I think that taking a step back and, you know, smelling the roses, take a look at the mountains, take a look at uh, what's around you, just really rejuvenates you more so than anything else. Hmm. Like, yeah, I do work and uh, I love doing work. And, you know, when I was in my project and like when I'm in my spot to be editing, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. But when that project is done, and you'll see this on even some of the bigger directors, you know, you need a break because you cannot just go all the time. You need to refill your experiences to be able to write about them again. Yeah, maybe this is more um, germane towards writers, directors than, uh, than technicians, but I also think that, you know, technicians uh, like to have a break every now and then. Yeah, but. 
That's yeah. my yeah. That's my point is to not become so leached into what you're doing that you forget that there's a lot of other aspects of life to be had. So I think so, that thought has a lot yeah. of merit to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and while I am of the mind of I I don't really have too many other hobbies. I'm very focused on what I do. Right. Um, I totally agree that you do need breaks if you are burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to risk sounding like a broken record if I keep talking about it. But here's <laughs> here's what I would say to almost close off on that point, unless you have further points to make on it. Um, You hear the phrase often, you only live once. Yeah. So grind, hustle like you've never worked before. (laughs) To that, I would also say, you only live once. So enjoy it while you can. Yeah. And I think that's where you're coming from, is you won't have another chance to be 18 years old. You won't have another chance to be 20, Mm -hmm. 25, 30, 40, 50 with grandkids. You only get that once. Yep. You only have the opportunity to live this moment and this moment and this moment mm-hmm. and this moment again. We've just lost five or six moments there. Where did they go? <laughs> no one knows, but they're gone now. Time yeah. is a weird thing. Uh, yeah. Being able to live and experience and enjoy the moments while you have them is one of the great keys, I think, to living a happy life. Oh, yeah. This has taken very sentimental route, brought to you by Merit Makers Podcast. <laughs> but well, what I'm trying to say I think is important, and I, and that re- I think that lines up quite a bit with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there is value to both viewpoints and that we should find a in-between and pursue those. So oh, yeah. um, on that note, I think that's a, that's a fairly good place to leave off unless you would like to speak on anything else. And we can keep going to like, hey, we're going to end now, but what do you have uh, other to say? <laughs> is, I, yep. I always want to make sure I can give people the opportunity if they really had something like, I want to hit on this point or I want to talk about this, but Chris, you're not letting me talk, so shut up. Nope. You, you good? Yeah, I'm good. We talked about uh, we talked about a lot of ground here, as I said. But uh, yeah, that was just the main thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, Grind when you can, but don't forget to take the break when you when you should. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be something that we as a young generation have to figure out, yep. um, especially with uh, use of social media and all the distractions that we face. But I think uh, if you want, we can talk about that on another episode if you're willing to come back because <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> we'll love to, do, to have you. We'll have to do a part two for sure. Part two. Sounds good. There so with that being said, sir, let's uh, get your handles one more time and then we'll close out the episode. So where can people find you now that they've kind of heard about what you want to do professionally or what you're looking to do um, if they want to reach out with some opportunities or even just connect and mm-hmm. and maybe even ask if you would want to have them on as crew how, how can people find you yeah sure thing well now that you've heard my life story you can find me at na mamoni at instagram or you can look up my name uh, nick mamoni on vimeo and uh, youtube all my stuff's uh, pretty visible there so that's that's about it for me okay well Again, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Really do appreciate it. And uh, as a final note, for those who are listening on audio, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please feel free to come check out the video version of our episode today on YouTube, where you can uh, see some examples of Nick's work and also view his um, beautiful face, as well as mine. In regards to the um, YouTube space as well, if you've made it this far, either on audio or video, thank you so much for checking out this episode today. It means a ton that you would be willing to watch this far and um, just spend a little bit of time with us. If you're looking to also spend some time in the studio, please feel free to reach out to our sponsor, The Sycamore. The studio is located in Plain City. For those of you who are local to Columbus, um, just outside of 270 off the exit, you can find this place. It's like 40, 45 minutes uh, northwest of downtown Columbus. 
basically what these guys are doing is providing our show with a space to record. And uh, what they're also doing is providing the community, the, the people who are looking to get into studio production with an affordable way to access. They have a uh, 3,000 foot psych space in addition to the podcast studio, which we're using right now and uh, an editing suite, and they'll be opening that to the public. They actually have recently opened their doors, but they will be more widely advertising that as time goes on. And uh, for any of you who want to come in the studio and have a chat or be on one of these episodes, please feel free to check out the form in the description of the YouTube video. For those of you listening on audio, you'll have to find the YouTube channel at Merit Makers Podcast. Uh, Make sure to look that up and go into the description. There you'll find a link to a Google form or something similar to where you can apply to be a guest on the show. Just Basically, let me know you exist. Send some contact <laughs> info. Um, if you have something you want to talk about or if you want to show off a recent project you've done or some portfolio work, uh, fill out that form and let me know and we'll get you scheduled. So with all that being said, back to Nick. Thank you so much for taking the time. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I really appreciate you coming on. I've yeah. been looking to forward to this forever, man. We've been talking about it for ages. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you. So Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is a great time. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, um, I'm going to let you go and... Uh, Hope for uh, everyone to have a good rest of your day, night, afternoon, morning, wherever wherever it is and whenever it is you're listening or watching. And uh, yeah, we're out.